It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think he broke it. What you made me do? And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. I just stole it from Dean. I'm just going to steal it from you. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of HIAC Talk Radio. I stole that from Dean. It is his namesake. He started it. Uh, and I talked to Go him. Here. I talked to him and uh, everything's cool. It's just something he's not interested in. And my voice cracked again. I'm glad it waited for us to go back on the air for it to happen. Perfect. Great. I'm Dan. Dan Low 83. Mark Go Thompson at Go Thompson. Craig Lagans at Real Big Whoop. Real surprise. If you haven't figured it out yet, at Craig Lagans. Um, this is not happy news this week. I don't know how else to really put it. Uh, the WWE released uh, Selena Vega, and and I'm not to, it just just on a look level, but also on a talent level. What a cluster f loss that is. I don't want to pretend to know, <laughs> you know, I, frankly, I've been involved in out in and out of wrestling for since 2012. Now I would, be, I'll absolutely believe any story I hear about why she left. <laughs> um, we're going to get into what we pretty much all think it is. And it has to do with, uh, making money outside of the WWE and Twitch and a union or lack thereof. Thanks, Hulk Hogan. Um, just a uh, what a it was. So she posted. Selena Vega posted a tweet about I support union unionization. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes later, the news came out she was released from the WWE. Sure. Ten minutes 
later. I don't know if that is a coincidence or if that is the actual timeline. Because, you know, I don't know about big businesses like that, but I'm told that it takes longer than 10 minutes to fire somebody. I'm like, I don't know about that. But that's where we are. Uh, your initial reaction, uh, you know what, go. I'll go to you first. I'll go to you first, Mark. Uh, there we go. <laughs> what, what, what do you think, um, man? So, look, the first thing is, um, don't we all feel that maybe she was being, and I, I'm going to just put this out there first, underutilized. Yeah. I mean, isn't she fantastic in the ring? Like, this is all I'm, this is all I remember. She was pretty, she was pretty awesome in TN, uh, what impact or whatever the nonsense it was at the time, right? She was, she was, I don't remember what it was called anymore when she yeah, was Yeah, whatever TNA impact nonsense it was. She held her own. She was good. She was fun. And they, they didn't let her wrestle. They kept her. So, cool. That's what you're going to do. Great. Okay. You're just going to keep her as a manager, which um, I'm a big proponent of because I'm a huge Paul Heyman guy. And I thought she was pulling that off very well, especially with the people that she was given. And they kept building towards this great storyline. And then they just keep pulling off. I just don't know sometimes what they do with their ideas. And then finally she says something messed up. And it's almost like she knew that she was I, – I, like, I hate to be like this. Maybe she knew it would get her out. Uh, maybe. I, I thought about that for a second after that maybe it was deliberate because I needed it out. Maybe she's tired of being just not utilized the way – because it's not like she's treated with the same respect as like a Bailey or a Charlotte, even though that maybe she could – I mean, she's got to be, what, Carmella level – yeah, as good. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, I just think she's better than Carmella, but that's just me. I'm sure I have no problems with Carmella, by the way. No, I'm not picking on Car. Don't think me mentioning Carmella is like a a benchmark well, for me, a low standard. <laughs> but like, I feel like I feel like she's like a mid tier person. Like she's she's good. She she does some great. I love her, her finisher, but there's just a lot of you know, like Carmella's Carmella at a certain point. Um. But I felt like Selena Vega would have brought a lot to the table, and they just never went with it. And then, you know, I, I want Craig to go before we go into the the aftermath of if Alistair gets released, because I've got a whole plot line for that set up when we get when we circle the wagon. Well, I'm back ab- absolutely going to Craig after that. So, Craig, uh, your initial reaction to everything. Um. Well, I agree with everything you said about uh, Zelina Vega's uh, talent level. Um, if Carmella can get at least two reigns as a WWE Women's Champion, I think Zelina at least deserved one. Uh, only if, because not only can she go in the ring, she can also talk and being a good manager. I don't think that it was her way of getting out because uh, whether you like it or not, and especially in the WWE right now, there's not a whole lot to like, but you're with the number one professional wrestling company in the world. So you saying goodbye to that paycheck or wanting to get away from that paycheck wouldn't be smart at this juncture for anyone. So I don't think it was her trying to get out, um, despite how I, I think her frustration, which was a lot of people's frustration, that Miro expressed um because he's also was in a similar boat to Zelina in making an income outside of the WWE umbrella, which they don't like. Because if you're not, if you're doing something on your free time and you're not using your name that the WWE provided for you to make said income, 
then we're going to have a problem in the WWE's words. So you're in a pandemic. There's no live crowds. There's no house shows. There's no revenues. There's nowhere you can go to even make, you know, living. Usually, you know, there's house show money and there's merchandising. Since there's none of that, if a wrestler, independent contractor, whatever, wants to make money on their own on Twitch, which is very lucrative now nowadays because everyone is home on their computers like us right now. Um, hey, I, we're on Twitch. Yeah, and <laughs> why I don't see where, where you and I wouldn't see a problem with that, the WWE does. So um, her and her getting released because of that and then that parting shot of unionization was after she already knew she was fired, which was her, her parting shot, which has long been a, uh, a, a, a battle cry for the WWE wrestlers, especially now, the ones who do make their living, who can make a living outside of the WWE brand. It's kind of um, uh, it's a double-edged sword. Yes, you, you work for a, a major company that's providing you with an awesome living, but at the same time, if you want to do something outside of that as yourself, you won't be allowed to do it. And that's where it, it the, that's where the, uh, the, the conflagration and um, go Dan, before you explode. No, no. I how, how do we feel about that? Um, as wrestling fans, um, a promoter saying, well, well, a promoter at le- that level, Craig saying mm-hmm. you, you can't make this. I, whether there's a pandemic or not, just saying no, you can't. You can't make. You can't do any other business outside of those places. Um, you know, here's a part of me that that's torn, Dan, because uh, I I'm all for anyone, especially especially now, and I'm going to keep going back, underlining, especially now during a pandemic. You mean? Yes, to yeah. make to make money outside of the wrestling business, which is which is a whole livelihood is on live crowds. Okay, if that's gone, yes, make as much money as you can. As a purist, I'm saying if I saw that, um, oh God, um, Roddy Piper at the height of WrestleMania was, you know, Roderick Toombs on uh, Google Play, you know, having a good time, fun playing video games, it it kills the whole character. It. Yeah, but it, we're it not. In those days, yes, I agree. I'm sorry. Yeah, finish, but finish but I mean that's yeah. what the WWE is trying to protect. Is He's that, the one that broke kayfabe. Yeah, but I mean Miro was a, is a heel. He's Rusev, but at the same time, anyone who plays it on a Twitch knows that he's a funny, good-looking, happy, you know, fun-loving guy. But he's before, your heel. Before I reply, I do want to say hi to Eight Bit Yates, who came into this room on the suggestion. Of Real Mama Eagle, I bought her channel on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and Real Mama Eagle just, you know, mentioned a bunch of people in passing. He mentioned me and mentioned the Pro Wrestling Podcast. And Eight Bit Yates was like, "Did somebody say Pro Wrestling?" I said, "Yes," and it's tonight. And Eight Bit Yates came into Ooh. the room, so I appreciate you coming in. Thank you very much. Anybody who comes in the room, thank you very much. I just wanted to shout them out while I saw well, them in here. Don't have welcome, to. Go, go ahead, Craig. Welcome, Mapit Yates. Um, if this was, you have all the, I agree with you if this was 80s, early 90s. No, mm. there's no argument. Mm. The problem is, is that little Vinnie Mac decided that kayfabe wasn't a thing uh, in, what year was that? 90, 
93, 92, yeah. the, the steroid stuff? Yeah. He decided that uh, that was no longer a thing a, a long, long ago. He did. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. No other promoter was coming out in those days. The NWA wasn't going on TV and going, this is all fake. Mm-hmm. So Vinnie Mac is a hypocrite at best in this. Um, so just real quick, you guys went back and talked about Roddy Piper. When did the movies that Roddy Piper did happen? 88. 88, 87, 88. Well, he did Body Slam when he was in. Uh, well, that was. Oh, well, that's a wrestling. I'm, I'm movie, talking right? about like yeah. the really good ones, like Sam Sam Hell Goes to Frogtown. Hell Goes to Frogtown is not a good movie. No, but They Live was. Back right now. I'm not taking that back. They Live is a great movie. Hell Goes to Frogtown is film. garbage. Yeah, Come but on, he did man. that. But he he did They Live outside of after after WWE. He was actually on a retirement. And for all intents and purposes, Roddy was, is, according to him, mm-hmm. going to stay retired. Now, the first, the, the person you should have brought now, go the person you should have brought up with Jesse Ventura because <laughs> he oh, did, God. he did Predator against Vince McMahon's wishes, and he did, yes. and and he wanted, and when he did it, and it became a hit, you know, Vince wouldn't wouldn't let him back. Only it's we- only. It, Yes. Yeah. You're not to go to do anything outside of the WWF without Vincent say so. Yep. So Jesse was taking on comedy. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I agree. Predator is all that. Like you're Vince, you're working for me. Vince McMahon says to Jesse, you're not doing anything. You're not taking movies. You're not going out to well, look what you know, look what Vince Senior did to Hogan. Yes. Oh. You know. Oh. And I hate yeah. Hogan, but come on. Yeah, because that would, you know, you're you're working for the WWF, and but that put Jesse on the outs, and it was only after Jesse was Jesse was taken off a of commentary. That's why he was taken off in favor of Bobby Heenan, which turned out to be gold. Of you know, but, let me uh, let me explain something to Matt, who uh, I had my friend Matt, who's in the room right now. Pshia, right, is a screen name, which is one of my favorite screen names, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um. When was this this year or late last year? Uh, he had never seen They Live before. Wow. What? Yeah. Well, what I've, re- I've, re- I've, re- I've rectified that. Mm-hmm. I took care oh, of my yeah. boy and mm-hmm. we watched They Live on Blu ray on a big TV, crystal clear, and he didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't. Dead to me. He uh, he just wasn't in in the in the movie. If you but on, to, and if, to his credit, if you're watching it now, it's very dated. Oh sure, but if you're uh, watching it now, it's perfectly sane. It's everything that we've been living through. That's well, you know what? I haven't watched it this year, so maybe I should give it another shot. But you anyway. watch it circle back around and think of Donald Trump as one of those blue alien things underneath that orange Oompa Loompa face. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig, I will say this: um, a lot of John Carpenter movies age very well, and that one does, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but we got to talking about it because. We were referencing, I believe we were wrestling the cripple fright from South Park. South Park, yeah. Which and is I shot, said, shot for it, shot. For it's a live. shot for shot remake of this fight from They Live. You got to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think past that, he didn't really care for it. That, and I pointed out that the communication devices are a PKE meter in from Ghostbusters. Yeah. But oh. um, then, but but to to bring it back around to him liking Roddy Piper, he said, "I'm just going to watch the Maniac episodes from It's Always Sunny." Those are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we want you to do this. I'm the maniac. 
No, but to get back on track real quick, guys. Let me let me bring it around. This is my show, okay? No, I'm kidding. Let me bring this back around. I'm the Preston here. Okay. Circle the wagons. Circle the wagons. Um, back to Selena Vega real quick, and back to the point that Craig and, and we've been talking about for the last five uh, five minutes. My problem with that is, and and my original point was, yes, I agree with you. In the '80s and '90s, and before that, perhaps I I have no argument against like we can't do that. The f out of here! You're going to ruin everything we've built up here. We are. My math is so correct. We, if my math is correct, we're about 28 years past. Uh, it's sports entertainment, Vince. Mm-hmm. Right? You mean the death of kayfabe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God rest her soul. God rest her soul. We're past that point, and especially Craig, that you're driving the point home, and rightfully so. That's during the pandemic. The fact that we all know, even the young kids know, I knew it, 90, I knew. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is a TV show, and that's it, mm-hmm. whether for good or for bad, Craig. Yeah. Um, we agree more than we disagree, but sometimes I'm like, eh, the old, the old days would be kind of cool right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, fight-wise, like, pre- presentation-wise, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. During a pandemic, 28 years past KFAG being dead, I think it is a bit of an overreach for Vince to go, you can't do Twitch, even with your real name. Well, well wait a second. You can't tell, I, you, you can't stop me from doing things under my real name. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, it's not in the contract. I know Paige basically told him to go pound sand. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Uh, Miro, Rus- formerly known as Rusev, also told him to go pound sand to the point where he pounded sand right the hell out of there. And mm-hmm. rightfully so. There's another place you can go right now. So, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And Z- Zelina Vega also told him to go pound sand. Uh, so, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, you can't. They're not doing anything to harm the business doing no. this. Mm-mm. If you told me. This harms my job. This, if it affected me from doing my job properly and what I was hired to do in the WWE, I get it. That argument is gone now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Craig. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. If you're not, especially if you're doing something, I don't know if the problem with they're they're using their real name or they're doing something that has nothing to do with wrestling to make a living. And the and you know the, the Twitch or a video stream or having a podcast or anything else um, that can sustain your living, especially now. I don't see why that. But Vince has you know there's this iron fist at reach, and he owns the names of all the people that he he wrestles that that wrestle for him. So you doing something outside of that is in to his words an intellectual breach of contract. So stupid. Yes, I agree, but that's why I'm saying he's selling the derision right now. He's right now he's losing. He lost to Miro and he lost to Zelina Vegas, top talents that were incredibly underutilized and probably won't hurt them in the long run. When they start using losing big names, I mean, granted, Dean uh, Ambrose was a was a bigger name than either Miro or Zelina Vegas, but when you start. Yeah. But when you start losing people on that caliber that are main event people because they are 
tired of not being able to make a living outside of, then you might see something. You might see, but it's already a, a sore subject and it's already a point of contention for the wrestlers, especially now that are trying to, that aren't on TV every Monday and Friday night that need an income or that need something to sustain them. So why wouldn't they do it? So if he has a problem with them not using their names, Vince McMahon has a billion dollars. He could buy all their names on Twitch and have them do it on Twitch under their own names. Right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. But like, if that's, the, if that's the problem, like, if that's the thing he has a little, uh, like, hard on about, like, then cool. Uh, go ahead, buy their names, make them close their other accounts, say, look, I'm going to buy this account for you. You do it through us. Buy, boom. Here's how you do it. Up, up, down, and, down, and then, you, you know, like, the, that, see, that's the other person I was going to bring up. I mean, like, don't you think Xavier Woods is on the, on the, on the fringe of being, like, flushed into existence? Yeah, I have because, a feeling like, he's going to G4 and it won't matter. Well, here, and that's a shame. I, I just, ah, you know what? It, yes, for us, not for him, though. <laughs> yeah. No, because he's going to make a million dollars on G4. Yeah, no. No, that's what I'm saying. It's a shame he's, for us because I think – I think Xavier Woods is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the company. Xavier can go. Most people don't know that because they haven't watched him as Consequences, Consequences Creed or um, I forgot his exact name when he came into the WWE. Maybe it was already Xavier Woods. I don't remember. Yeah. It was like it was some crossbreed of the both names. But he's a fucking fantastic wrestler. And most people even... just know Goofy trumpet, uh, Trombone Player. Here's what I don't even care about, Goofy Trombone Player. If you give him a microphone, he's like Jericho was when he had the TV title on WCW. Said, "Oh, just go out there and make some shit up for ten minutes." Yeah, like if you yeah. gave him ten minutes, he's going to entertain you for ten minutes. Remember when the New Day was going to be one of those black gimmicks that got oh, buried? Yeah. Remember yeah. that? You yeah, know Mark, why that didn't happen? Xavier Woods. <laughs> yeah, and now Mark Henry was supposed to lead them. And one more the, uh, the point about Xavier. He's, he's a great point, Dan, but he's kind of an outlier because he also has a degree. So he doesn't that's need any say, of this crap. Motherfucker has a PhD. Yeah, so that's he doesn't why need I, any of this shit. That's why I got banned on Gary Michael Capetta's uh, Facebook page. You want to know why? I never why? talked about it here. So when Xavier a couple of years ago, maybe it was about a year ago, he said something about how, and quite frankly, I, I'm on this side of it too, and I don't think he's wrong either that the fans have a little too much to say about how and what happens on the shows now. Yeah. Because of social media. I try uh, to, that's why I try to avoid it on this page, on this page, on this show. Cause I think I'm a, quite frankly, I think I'm above that. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Uh, I don't sit here and say I could book it different. I just, I think I'm, I, I don't think I have time for that. However, Xavier's point was correct. And it was so correct that he pissed off all the white folk that started dropping that Famous effing word mm -hmm. that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. the N-word, and, mm -hmm. and, and basically said on Gary Michael Capetta's page, and this is not a reflection on Gary. Mm -hmm. This is a reflection on Facebook. They basically said what, <laughs> I call it the Allen Iverson argument. If it wasn't for us, that N-word wouldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And I said, you dumb crackers realize he has a PhD, oh. right? 
<laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. That was my reply. You dumb crackers realize he has a PhD. Oh. Yeah. Guess who got banned from that page? And you got banned for that. Not the guy that said the N-word. <laughs> Just me well. saying crackers. That's like, and I didn't get their reply, so I'm kind of mad because I would have been like, I would have liked to seen the white anger going, working completely. <laughs> he doesn't need us. He has PhD. You fools. Mm-hmm. Um, Zelina Vega mm-hmm. has talent that is unmatched, in my opinion, in that company, and she will be fine. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, and whatever I the just MLW. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even think of that. Is it MLW? Yeah. At this point, I don't care where she goes as long as it's not <laughs> Impact. Yeah. I um, think she, she could definitely revitalize the uh, AEW women's division. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. Please. They're fighting, I mean, over, fighting over a title that's not even theirs. I told them how I told AEW how they can fix the women's division. But and the thing about Zelina, they they also have a built-in storyline that would, would would work, and and that's it's symptomatic of how the WWE used her. She was introduced, you know, because her her father uh, died at nine eleven legitimately. It was a fireman who, yeah. who died at nine eleven. Yeah, I remember it was hammered he, home a lot. Yeah. So then they bring her out as a heel. So what what was the point of you know if if you're going to ma- why was that? It's just contradictory. Okay. <laughs> So why would you bring her in that way? Obviously, she's a better heel than a face because she's so easy to to dislike. But if that's the case, then why bring up the fact that her dad was – it's kind of like what they did with um, the Southern Belle. She came in as a heel, but yeah. then they tried to humanize her. Oh, she's a, oh she's a Marine, and she's got a daughter and all that. And it's like, uh, no, she works as a heel, though. Okay, we, you, you, you're now you're asking us to cheer for this woman just because she has a baby, and she served in the armed forces. When she, you brought her in as a sassy Southern Belle, who you know dresses like you know Daisy May from the Little Abner comics, and you expect us to to cheer for her now? Yeah. So, but again, this is symptomatic of how the WWE treats a some of the wrestlers they've underutilized, like her and and Miro, but the women's division in 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 general. It's going to get touchy as we get into the subject because I'm going to hurt a lot of feelings coming up in a second. Not intentionally, mm-hmm. just the way it is. Um, Excited. Let me bring up another name. Oh, by the way, a little uh, bit of tidbit that I missed is apparently her Twitch got shut off or she was made to shut it off so she created an OnlyFans and that's why she got fired. Yeah, because she was getting money from... Well, go, go to hell, Vince. Yeah, because Vince the only fans is something that like porn stars, adult stars, and other less reputable people use. Says the guy that pushed Sunny. Yeah. Man, can you have her OnlyFans page? Yowie wowie. Yeah, imagine if, as long as she doesn't talk. Yeah, it's fine. It always goes back to, whenever I think of uh, Sable, I think of goddamn Mark Marrow, and I'm like, oh my. God, men want to be with me and women want to be me. Yeah, oh, great. Thank God she's got boobs. That, that's why you pushed it. And Jim Cornette called Sable and uh, Tammy. He said, uh, Tammy was an upfront cunt. Sable was an undercover cunt. That's quote unquote from Jim Cornette, from Jim who is Cornette. a friend of Sonny, or was. I don't know where he yeah, stands on Sonny now. Always called her an upfront cunt. Yes. Sable was an undercover guy. Uh, well, Sonny was made for the business. Yeah. Yes, she was. 
period. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me bring up another name here uh, that's happened like days before, but uh, Sasha Banks was on The Mandalorian. She was under her real name. Under her real name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly my point. So you I, Sasha Banks fans waiting at the end of the Mandalorian to see Sasha Banks' name came up, you're still waiting because it's not there. It's uh, I forgot her, her surname, but it was Mercedes. Uh, what the hell is her name? Dog. It's, it's dog. It's like Snoop Dog. No, it's right? not Snoop Dog. No. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I forgot D-O- she's legit. The D-O-double-G. Yeah. Mercedes D-O-double-G. Mercedes Varnado. Okay, but you, you, you can't have two Mercedes, and just like you can't have two Shawns. Yeah. There are two Shanes, so. Yeah, right. Had, That's had, the same. Had, yeah. Hip, I, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, the real name thing is okay as long as they can control it, I guess. Yeah. So mm-hmm. stupid. I, I, I Again, I know the argument is going to be, well, you know, they have a job, they can't be, but that doesn't affect the other job negatively no. at all. Zero. Mm-hmm. In fact, people go, People who don't know wrestling go, who's that hottie? Mm-hmm. And go, oh, she's a wrestler. And the thing is, why? and it, it all goes back to, you know, Vince, uh, Jesse doing a movie that's not, if it's not, if you're doing something outside the company that's not promoting the company, because the reason why Hulk Hogan, he has no problem with Hulk Hogan doing movies because Hulk Hogan was doing the type of Vince movies he wanted to do over the top. And you mean bad ones? Yeah, and appearing on TV and appearing on TV shows as Hulk Hogan. See, that yeah. helps. That helps the brand out. But if you're Jesse Ventura, who has always been good friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he asked him to be in a movie, um, that caused deten- dissension between him and Vince, and uh, that's what got Jesse off of commentary, and he was only brought back for the Survivor Series. Um, and then you know. He wasn't allowed to do another movie again until Running Man when he was in WCW. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, Aventura's best work was when he was in WCW and he ended up doing the, the Demolition Man. I was going to say, bring up Demolition Man. Yes. Will you <laughs> You're welcome. But that's the great. I always cite what people don't know that's Jesse. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesse's the one that kills the old man in Demolition Man. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah. yeah well, Wesley so Stench goes, will you please kill, <laughs> kill him? He's, He's pissing, pissing me, off. me off. It just shoots. It's literally Jesse going, ha, 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 just blowing him away. Yeah. And so doesn't even have any, he doesn't have any lines. And Jesse Ventura is still the only man to kill Arnold Schwarzenegger on screen. That's Oh, yeah, that's true. And the running man. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert for those who Spoiler. haven't seen the 30-year-old movie. Yeah. Jesse Ventura, you mean the goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus? Yes, that's him. Hey, hold on, Mark, before you go. Craig, do you, uh, off the top of your head, recall the story on why um, didn't Jesse get busted by Hulk about unionization or wanting to unionize? Yeah, Hogan, that- oh, no, Hogan stooge to, uh, to Vince about Jesse wanted to unionize. Um, and that's what got him in trouble. You know, he was already on thin ice because of, of the movie, but he stooged on, just like he stooged on Slaughter. That's why it's hard to Slaughter left because he wanted, he also wanted to unionize. And he, his suggestion was now that we are making money hand over fist and now that we can, you know, we can take care of ourselves and this travel is insane. Why not let us get some benefits out of this since, I have to be in Toronto on Monday and Miami on Tuesday and Los Angeles on Wednesday. And 
you know, I can't feel my face and uh, we need to be taken care of. And so if I, if I can't go, um, it can be something can, some help can be provided for us. But yeah, Hogan uh, stooged, um, stooged to Vince about Jesse and he stooged to Vince about Sergeant Slaughter. Ventura knew about his revenue stream still going to be okay whether he's with WWF or not. So, you know, he took the demotion and before he eventually left. And I said on this very podcast about the amount of royalties that he was owed that he didn't get paid uh, for all the, the commentary he did on the WWF oh. Coliseum videos um, that he wound up getting again once he was in WCW, yeah. $828,000. Um, but uh, so he knew he was going to be okay. Sarge just took his ball and left, uh, even at the height of his fame when he and Hogan were selling out arenas on both sides of the country at the same time. Wow. He let he, Sergeant Slaughter left the WWF to go to AWA at the height of his fame. He sold yeah. Sergeant Slaughter sold that Madison Square Garden in his feud with the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov without Hulk Hogan. Okay, he sold out Madison Square Garden. Really? With yes, during Hulkamania, okay, only Slaughter could do that. I, I can't believe Sergeant Slaughter was that big. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Well, if if there was no Hulk Hogan, go if Hogan if if Vern Gagne had been smart and put the AW belt on Hogan, so Hogan wouldn't have left, and he needed a, a babyface champion because they wanted to transition from Backlund. Sergeant Slaughter had already started his feud with Iron Sheik, that turned him into a babyface. Mega babyface before Hogan even got there. What? So what an insane uh, universe that would be. Yes. Well, they well they obviously couldn't coexist because Hogan even and this bears itself out ten years later in WCW didn't want anyone getting more over than him. Anyone who even started to do it, he would try. He would squash. AK, Alex Berlin. Wright, Berlin. You know the the NWO. Um, oh, Chris yeah, Jericho, that... Sting, Goldberg. You know, you name it. He tried to squash it, but yeah, he stooged uh, slaughter, slaughter uh, about unionization back in 1984, and Sergeant Slaughter left the WWF the height of his fame. I mean, I'll say I'll say this for Hogan: he was a shrill and crude businessman. Yes, and and Kevin Nash, from the who, best, who, whom I've never been a fan of, he said uh, Hogan was the one of the greatest guys you ever meet. Uh, loyal, I mean, you walk into a building with Hogan. Hogan will pull, will pose, talk to every person there. The janitor uh, who brings his kid in, Hogan will get a picture taken with him, sign everything. No problem. One of the nicest guys you ever meet. At the same time, he wouldn't care if you made a dime as long as he made a dollar. Okay? Always upfront about that, though. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why he, when people get mad, like, you leave Hulk Hogan alone. Like, Hogan knows he's a piece of trash. <laughs> yeah. He's fine. He, he made yeah. his money. Hogan does not give a shit. Nope. <laughs> he took down yeah, Quaker, okay? Yeah. Um, you wanted to talk about um Zelina's husband. I did I did. Mm -hmm. I did real quick. I have like a little conspiracy theory if I can cut Dan off. I'm sorry. You um, wouldn't be the first one, you won't be the last. So my my conspiracy theory is they both go to AEW. Mm -hmm. and, and then as a team? Well, uh, no, she goes in as um, just a women's division uh, character, but he ends up being part of the Dark Order. Um, 
and being like a better leader than Brody Lee because he's a little more dynamic. That's my theory. I mean, like he, is it a theory or is that wishful thinking? Maybe it's a little bit of both. both. I like it. I like I I just like I I like I love Brody Lee, but like I just don't like the Dark Order. Such a I don't know what what am I supposed to do with the Dark Order? What do I do with the Dark Order? What are you supposed to do with with any of the uh, eight factions that are in AEW now? You got the Dark oh, there's Order. There's only eight. Well, the Dark Order, the Best Friends, the Elite, the uh, Eddie. Best Kingston Friends isn't a faction as much as it is a six-man tag team. Okay, but Champions you got, waiting to happen. Yeah, but you got Eddie Kingston's group, and you got Team Taz, and, you know, there's so Six many. Champions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying this to you over and over again because it's going to happen. They're going to make a six-man tag team championship belt, and everyone's going to vomit in their mouths. No, I'm going to love it. What are you talking about? No, no, don't say that. I, I, I loved it when it was NWA, WCW, and I want another one. You want a six-man tag team? I love the six-man title. I loved that. Oh God! Oh, give me more! Give me more tag teams! I love tag team wrestling's done right. It's still my favorite. Mm -hmm. But then, then you have a tag team champions, and then you have a six-man. Just don't put the Young Bucks anywhere near it. No, they're going to fix it. I fixed it. I I fucking fixed it. Don't put the Young Bucks near it. Cody, Cody and the Young Bucks win the six-man tag. Fuck Cody and the Young Bucks. <laughs> there, I just said it. Keep them away from yeah, yeah, the Nightmare Family, another faction. There you go. I, I fixed it, everybody. <laughs> but I, I think uh, with, with Aleister Black, um, obviously he's caught between, you know, and he's not the first wrestler, I mean, first WWE employee who's married to someone in another company. Um, Adam Cole, baby, and... Um, for a while, uh, Dean, uh, Dean Ambrose. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite is when he uh, he bombed uh, that Fox yeah. WWE show with the yeah. dog. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, get off so, the screen, uh, quick, run! <laughs> but uh, uh, Alistair is a tremendous talent. I another example of the WWE not using it. Alistair Black should be. At least where Bobby Lashley is now. I mean, not so much in a in a group, but uh, a United States or Intercontinental Champion. Because if you saw his work in NXT, and I was one of the few people in NXT of chomping at the bit for him to get up, called up to the main roster. He went undefeated for about eight months. Uh, so when he finally did lose to AJ in a screw job, should have been brought up as some type of you know major. And it wasn't. I mean, granted, most of his undefeated streak was came over Buddy Murphy every week, but and that feud went nowhere. I don't even know why it was a feud since Alistair oh. won every single match. But um, or, or even just have him join. I thought he was going to join Seth Monday Night Messiah or Disciple thing, which would have made a little sense. And then his feud with Kevin Owens just got dropped out of nowhere. But this guy is supremely talented. And definitely deserves a bigger spot on the roster. Now that he's not getting it, though, uh, what? And his he even requested to go back to NXT, which go the Finn Balor route. You know, the kind of um, he had a lot more opportunities there, and the WWE said no. So if they're not going to honor his request to go back to NXT, 
and they obviously have no plans to push him on the main roster. What exactly should Aleister Black do, if not leave? I mean, that stuff behind the door, telling people to knock on the door would have been great if it went anywhere. Yeah. Once again, it was just uh, – you can ask um, – yeah. there's two people I'm friends with that you – just shut up um, – that I'm friends with that uh, saw the night that he, he, he came – he debuted. I literally said the minute he popped up out of those candles, I said, I'm all in on this guy. <laughs> Whatever he's doing, I'm buying – I, I, he's an Eskimo selling ice, whatever that phrase is. I'm all in. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just all in on everything he was selling. I thought Alistair Black was the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was Undertaker-esque. It was fun. It was different. It was. I thought that's someone that he should have worked with. One hundred percent. I just hold on. This just popped in my head. How did the WWE drop the ball with two perfect Undertaker replacements? Because they're WWE. Because they had the Fiend. Yeah. And they had, and, and they have Alistair Black, and they were just like, that's eh, just another guy. Yeah. Those uh, lanterns, uh, Black Magic, meh, 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 meh. Well, well, because they have they have uh, Hollywood screenwriters. They don't have uh, wrestling bookers. Not all of Hollywood is good. <laughs> I'm no. just saying. Obviously, but that's what you when you <laughs> don't have. Junior wrote for them. Patrice O'Neill wrote for them. Oh, Christ. So, yeah, that's... It shows I don't remember any of that. Is that yeah, really? Patrice O'Neill. Um, um, Ralph Funches wrote for, wrote for the WWE. He Ralph probably wrestled. went there and said, fuck, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> he, even wrestled, he even wrestled a dark match. And if you ever <laughs> saw um, the, uh, the show, um, damn it, uh, AP Bio, he even wrestled. That's my favorite show. There's an amazing that the the, the, the storyline with him being a wrestler is amazing. Yeah, well, that was from his real life because he not only wrestled but he also wrote for the WWE. So yeah, you had Ralph Funches, you had Patrice O'Neill, um, Thea Vidal, who played um, Shelton Benjamin's mother for a time, um, and Freddie oh, she Prince was a writer. Was, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> she had her own ABC sitcom. I for, I d- never made the connection, man. Yes, yeah, same yeah. one. I'm ashamed, yes. I, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm but these sorry. are the people that are in WWE behind the scenes creating storylines and writing. There's no bookers. There's no two guys in a locker room with their trunks on going over an ending. There's no Eddie Graham. There's no Jim Cornette. There's no Bill Watts saying, okay, this is how, this is how we're going to do this. With this guy's a heel. This guy's a baby face. You get the fans to hate this guy. So when he beats the shit out of this guy, the fans are upset. So when this guy comes back and beats the shit out of that guy, everyone's happy. That's called wrestling. That's how you and you do that with a series of moves and not twenty-eight run-ins and a referee getting knocked down twenty-eight seconds into the match and and you know over and over again. And there you have a product. And I guess abs- what? That's worked for about a hundred years. <laughs> I I have this. <laughs> That's I love it. you, Craig. By the way, I love you so much. I, no, we are not gonna do any better than that tonight. No, that's it. We're in. No, I I, I believe there's a happy medium Can somewhere. We just have him repeat that for the whole wrestling historian too. Uh-huh. <laughs> like nails that all. But but go, but go. If you see something right now that you don't like on WWE or AEW, we blame the writers. 
I know. I know. We're a lot of the times talent. it doesn't come down to the talent. It comes down to what's going on behind the scene. Exactly. Because it's it's like it's like Ricochet. Why is Ricochet bad? He's good in the ring. I know he's no home run on the microphone, but you're telling me he's you fine. can't put Ricochet into a good match right now? I still have I this theory. Alistair Black. Hold on. I still have this theory that most of the reason why people sound terrible on the on the mic is because the scripts are so bad. They're and they're given scripts, Dan. That's what I'm talking about. You're, you're not everybody. Some people need them, but a lot yeah. of these people like I don't need to. You're putting me in front of a camera. You got people all around me telling me what the just uh, get the script away from me. I, I got yeah. this. Yeah, you just, I mean, in the, in the old, now I'm sorry. Like, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. No, you're right. People who benefited from a script, Sting. Yes. When he came to WWE and they said, Sting's going to have an interview uh, exclusive right after all on the WWE Network, the Sting Mark and I immediately went, oh, God, no. No, mm. no, 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 no. This is, no, don't do that. And I was like, wait a minute. Not that he was a great actor, but he did act. He can yeah. memorize a script. This actually might be fine. And it was. It was one of the better promos he's ever cut. And there's only two or three promos in WCW that he ever cut that were any good. And the ones I've memorized. <laughs> I was there for one of them in person. In the day, hand you a mic. Okay, you're going up against the Rock Gym. You're going against the Rock and Roll Express this Thursday in Chattanooga, Tennessee. you got a minute. Go. I, you know it. what? You know, you know, it's been sadly lacking. I can tell you some things about Chattanooga, Tennessee. No, don't. <laughs> we, you know what's lacking? You know what's lacking about interviews? What? Dusty Rhodes is dead. Yeah. Oh, Dusty. And that's what he told Jim. Uh, that's and, it, period. And what, and what I just told you is what he would tell the talent. Okay, we're going to be I need you it. to sell Clash of Champions. You got, ten, you got five minutes. Yes, go. Why do you want me to come to Clash of Champions? That's who, it. And who you who are you wrestling, and why don't you like them? Go. That's back it. on track. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I should not ring. I don't know. I, well, I was going to say I should not read Twitter when I'm doing this show. Um, no, no. Is he there? No, 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 no. Something funny happened. Uh, There's a funny tweet about. Um, Never mind. I can't. It's very funny. Okay. Well, here, 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 real quick. I did want to ruin your day, Dan. Jesus Christ. Always a sound coming out of his fucking thing. Go ahead. Um, so Go ahead. Ruin my news. day. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so instead, instead of, instead of giving you the, 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 the list I wanted to do real quick, I'm going to do uh, Mark ruins Dan's day, my new segment. Um, so uh, I heard that AEW has reached out to Sting to be the, uh, the, the, the mentor to the apprentice of um, the skateboarding uh, monstrosity. Are you serious? I'm dead, I'm dead serious. That's what I read the other day. They, they won't bring Sting in because, you know, Sting's not doing much and, you know, they've got a guy with white face paint and he, you know, does things with long jackets. So anyway, unions. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I'm moving on from that. Mm-hmm. I don't. 
the listen, more you know. Like, like, listen, yeah, if Sting's there, I'll watch. But, no, please don't do that. He's Darby Allen's dad. That's he's, the storyline. He's Ding. <laughs> a little Ding. A little Ding. <laughs> he's the Dinger. <laughs> Wait until Dong comes out. He starts going, <laughs> Okay, unions. Here, here's what I, and, and Dean and I were in a conversation about this on Twitter months ago with somebody who was uh, not happy with either one of us. Um, unions need to happen. We're long past, we're long, we're long past it. It should have been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to touch upon something that Craig kind of barely touched uh, upon earlier about wrestlers making money outside of the WWE, um, there's some really bad promoters in indie wrestling. I don't know if you know this. Mm-hmm. I've heard. Who will stiff anybody. Um, I'm trying to tiptoe lightly on this <laughs> based on Things I've been, rules, baby. Yeah, things I've been involved with that, you know, just going to... Uh, they need to be held accountable because they'll just disappear. Uh, there needs to be a governing body. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. I and, and let me preface this by saying, people who are watching, I am not, by any means, an expert on unions or should tell you how to do it. Uh, I don't know how to get to this point. I don't know even know where to start. But the way it's going isn't working. How many times since the pandemic alone and before have you seen a story about a promoter fucking over the fans who paid money? They'll never see it again. And the show gets canceled. Or a promoter overbooking a show and stiffing the others and overpaying another. Mm-hmm. Or a wrestler, in some cases, sticking it to the promoter and taking the money. Something has to give, because mm-hmm. uh, wrestling is burning down right now, and it's accelerated <laughs> with a pandemic. And once the pandemic comes back, once uh, the pandemic comes back, once wrestling comes back, it's back. Yeah, no, it's back. Once this vaccine, once pe- once the vaccine starts going in rotation, and people start assimilating back into life, and we get blood pumping back into the business, and people are allowed to go to shows again. By the way. By the way, I'm never going to an indie wrestling show again without a mask on. I've yeah, seen you- some of you people react to just being asked to wash your fucking hands. You disgusting, you, you disgusting fuckers. I'm never not wearing a mask at a place again. Um, I wish I could go back also, and wear never wearing a street hot dog. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'll eat a street hot dog, but I'm not. That'll go on my <laughs> yeah. stomach and the battery has to kill the shit out of that. Yeah. What were you going to say, Craig? I said, I wish I could go back and wear a mask at all the indie shows I went to. Yeah. Well, you're immune to coronavirus. You're fine. Yeah. You and I, we've gone to the bathroom in the ECW arena. We're immune. Yes, we have. Yes. Okay. Mark two. Yes, you're immune. If you went to the bathroom in that say, place, you are immune. Not only did I use the, the bathroom, I also used the alley behind it. Oh, well, then you're, you you can't get anything. I don't think I can catch anything anymore. Fuck. I'm going to live uh, to 100. Well, Dan, to your point, one of the th- one of the people that are f- is firmly in the corner of unionization and who made his made his presence felt 
during the even during the Selena Vega uh, when her, her tweet about unionization it was Andrew Yang, who unsuccessfully ran for president, but has said has made it very clear that he's not going away on this issue. Oh no, no, that, no! You you've lit a fire under his ass, and he'll be annoying about it. Yes. So if he gets appointed to uh, a cabinet in the new Biden administration, expect this to be this uh, issue to be uh, placed front and center uh, quite a bit and a lot more often. So uh, the wheels are, uh, so this is something that's a very real possibility or at least a very real uh, discussion that needs to, that will be had on a, in a major, uh, in a major way in the coming year because of, you know, uh, Zelina Vega and, and Miro and, uh, and, just other, even independent wrestlers who don't have an income now, who will have to do use who, other. Who is who is this person you speak of, Craig? I'm sorry. No, uh, Yang. And, pretend, and, pretend I know nothing about science. No, or... no. Okay, okay Pete. <laughs> Andrew Yang uh, unsuccessfully or ran for president uh, last year. Um, he's also, um, believe, is a, a governor of what state i'm not sure but he's been very uh, uh outspoken about unionization of independent contractors oh. in general and pro wrestlers in particular he immediately jumped on that tweet yes that's like oh I'll, I'll back you up yeah <laughs> so, so just real like i hate <laughs> i'm uh, not don't i'm not laughing at this guy I just think it's crazy that some, and it's not a bad demographic to target, that some presidential hopeful was like, and plus pro wrestling, they need a shake. Well, no, it's not that. It's that he saw, he literally saw that tweet. Mm -hmm. People tagged him in it. Yeah. It was like, you need to look into this. And he was like, oh, (laughs) he didn't just find it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. when she tweeted it out, people were like, people who have been following, you know, any type of politics was like, oh, we know the guy that can do this or can at least get the ball I'm, rolling. I, okay, I'm taking it the backwards way. Yeah, I no. thought he was like super pro wrestling unionist. No, 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 no. Part no, of his no. platform for presidency. And I was like, well, that's a, that's a fun one to run on. No, no, no. no. We're, mm-hmm. we're talking about a guy who has Post, some sort of. Like we learned about him through the election. Got it. I'm yeah, one hundred percent on page now. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's in the circulation now. That's the thing. And so mm-hmm. Vince is going to get even more unbearable when that shit happens. Yeah. What's up, Glow Socks? What's up, Aaron? I saw you coming in, and I was I was trying to tag you in a hello while we were talking, but it wouldn't let me tag for some reason. We're talking about uh, Zelina Vega leaving the company under the circumstances, and, <laughs> and Socks just said Yang Gang. <laughs> well, he's caught up. Yeah, I think just, again, not a union expert, but some of the stuff I've seen up close and from afar in independent wrestling, the commission, if not, the commission needs to be stricter and there needs to be commission involved when there's not a commission, there needs to be a union. There needs to be some sort of governing body over the workers that protect these people. Because quite frankly, uh, one of the points I forgot to bring up when I mentioned Sasha Banks on The Mandalorian was... Her real name is in the credits. She's now an actress in SAG-AFTRA. She's got, like, the best insurance and the best medical coverage, the same that actors get now. Yes. 
Which mm, he doesn't need yeah. the WWE no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why, which is what Jesse did when he, why he signed on to play in uh, Predator because that gave him coverage that he didn't have in his twenty years in wrestling. Yeah. And so. he was someone now, and Jesse was someone even when he was starting out in the Pacific North, Northwest and in the AWA that would tell guys in the locker room to vote, and he would say vote for this guy because he's all for for unionization for independent cro- contractors. And he was saying that before he even got to the WWF. So Jesse was always a forward-thinking guy, thinking not so much thinking in terms of government or politics, but yeah. th- thinking in terms of safety for the people he worked with, uh, pay, and you know, the fact that the janitor that cleaned up after the wrestling match was over had benefits, and and he didn't. He sold out the San Diego Sports Arena, but the guy cleaning up had more benefits than he did. So that's something that he always fought for. Um, and the fact that he had a bigger and bigger voice when he got to the WWF, you know, he had the, the loudest megaphone possible. Though, to be fair, Craig, mm-hmm. some nights that janitor did way more work than Jesse did. I agree. Some nights. <laughs> some nights, yeah, depending on who was wrestling. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Depending on if Pantera was in concert. That's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> Did they go to San Diego? I don't think anybody. I don't. Who cares? There's a lot of vomit at that. Hello, gentlemen and ladies. Please forgive my mask. We are recording this on NBA draft night, and I am firmly behind the red, white, and blue of my hometown local basketball team. My name, of course, is Craig Lagans. I am joined by my stalwart co-hosts, Dan Calachico and Mark Gogo Thompson, and this is a chance for us to take away, strip the colored confines in which we find ourselves now, to return to a time where things were kinder and gentler and in black and white. Back when there was wrestling in all 50 states, packed with people from all shapes, sizes, and colors, not observing social distancing laws. Back when titles were called belts. Back when medical facilities were called hospitals. And back when sports entertainment was indeed professional wrestling. We're going to go back in this time this week in wrestling history to uh, November 13th, um, a big day here locally in Philadelphia because a fledgling independent wrestling promotion was uh, just getting started. But they scored a major coup in their wrestling card in November, uh, November 13th, 1993, was ECW's first November to Remember. Yes, <laughs> and it marked the day. It uh, not only did it uh, put kind of ECW on the map, but it's the first time that Paulie Paul Heyman, who we know him now, uh, actually started calling in some favors, and uh, he wanted to get his his ECW his uh his promotion off the ground, and he already had the uh, the uh, the brain trust of um, and working under the tutelage of the great Eddie Gilbert. But uh, in order to get uh, ECW some real recognition, especially among indie and the, the newsletters and the dirt sheets, as we called it back then, this was pre-internet, and to get a buzz going, he called in some favors. So uh, appearing in ECW in this small little arena at the corner of Swanson and Rittner, a bingo hall, if you will, <laughs> uh, he had one of his local guys, uh, the Sandman, go up against Jim Neidhart. Who made who appeared? Who made his first, last, and only appearance in ECW? 
And also for his main event, he combined two of the guys that uh, were already making a name for themselves in ECW. One, an independent wrestler that he brought in on a great fan favor, Sabu. And another, wise veteran that gave them credibility, Terry Funk, and put them together in a tag team. So you had on one side, Terry Funk and King Kong Bundy went up against Sabu and Road Warrior Hawk. Yes. And that I don't remember game. that match. Yes, this was Paulie calling in every favor he knew. Oh. So your your main event was Sabu and a Road Warrior Hawk against Terry Funk and King Kong Bundy. Bundy, who hadn't wrestled in two years at that point, uh, came out uh, to a massive fanfare. Uh, obviously, not that far growing up in Atlantic City. It wasn't that far jaunt for him. But Road Warrior Hawk showing up was a huge... Uh, got a lot of people buzzing and kind of put ECW uh, not so much on the map, but got uh, a lot of people talking. And w- what created such a buzz was the main event talent, the mainstream talent that appeared on this tiny indie show in this tiny little bingo hall in Philadelphia. So uh, you had one half of the greatest tag team of all time, one half of the Hart Foundation, and uh, the main event of WrestleMania two, all in uh, in one show, and that put uh, ECW as November to remember. Uh, that would become an annual thing, and ECW would kind of put everything uh, in that one November card, and that almost became their WrestleMania because November to remember in ECW history had some of the most iconic moments, not only in ECW history but in professional wrestling. Uh, also, uh, November. I was going I'm sorry to cut you off, because when I was talking about that card, Please. you got really excited. Were you? Were you there? No, no. I, I just, you know, it just ended up actually being on the uh, the network. Okay. And that was the few events that I never got to see personally. You always see the the VHS tapes that they'd advertise mm-hmm. on on the ECW, and you were always like, "Don't forget, you can get." It, November, remember, 93. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I had seen that. Yeah. And, and here, here it is now, like 10 million years later, and I don't have to pay $20 in shipping and handling. <laughs> Even better. And well, and to go back to our previous uh, to a podcast that we did earlier about that subject, because there's no more pay-per-view, there's no, because of the network, there's no more revenue from the pay-per-view. Lots of wrestlers would get their big paycheck. Oh after the pay-per-view and the pay-per-view rental um, and the subsequent showing of that and the the uh, the tape sales from said pay-per-view would also put money in the wrestler's pocket. Since, but since that's all gone, thanks to the network, that would get, Brutal. you know, makes wrestlers want to look for other sources of income. I remember when the CM Punk WWE split was happening and I remember mm-hmm. him mentioning in ha- in that um podcast he did with um Cocabana mm-hmm. uh him mentioning to tr- Triple H events like okay so you started the network you're going to kill the pay-per-view so where's our extra revenue coming from and everybody uh, there was way too many people at the time i find this I- ironic there's way too many people at the time criticizing him for that comment talking about oh money and now that we're in 2020 it's like 
oh, it's not so goddamn funny now, is it? Yeah. Like, they, they're they getting fired for going on Twitch, but, like, four years ago, you are like, FCM Punk in the money, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, and the, the WWE Network, what it did was, uh, while it did revolutionize, make it easier for fans to, like Mark, to go back and look at old matches, it took it totally took away the pay per view uh, aspect of it and the uh, and then the videos and the uh, the revenue stream that went with it. I've always said, and I will say on record, and and I'm saying this right now. I know it's been five years, six years since the network's been on the air, mm-hmm. and I know it's nine ninety nine, and I know I said this for a while, but I expected a price increase someday. Someday I expect a price increase. And I'm going to say this on record. I don't mind. Because A, more revenue goes. I know it's trying to. I don't mean during a pandemic. But for $9.99, the amount of information and stuff I have on there Mm -hmm. uh, is insane. Yeah. So I expect $14.20 someday. Mm -hmm. And I will gladly go, here you go. Because... I know you're evil, Vince, and I'm not allowed to like you, uh, and I don't like you, but as far as uh, availability, uh, here. <laughs> you still have talent to pay. Here's my money. That was my sidebar. That's all. Okay. I was going to say, I, I at least pay 20 for, like, the, the current stuff in the vault. Like, Absolutely. That's, that's gross to say, like, because I feel like I'm not like I'm, not like I'm ripping Vince off after – how many years of fifty dollars for? No, I'm not worried about Vin, ripping Vince off. But the wrestlers, I that's, agree with you. But that's what I'm talking about. Give them some revenue. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm but, talking about. Back to that guy. Uh, staying on this date, uh, unfortunately, the um, the still the saddest day in professional wrestling for me uh, occurred uh, 15 years ago, November 13th. Uh, 38 years old in Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh. Uh, I lost the man that I'm uh, wearing on this shirt in his honor. Um, oh my God! Uh, the, the death of Eddie Guerrero uh, occurred November 13th, uh, 2005. Um, still a sad day. I I remember my girlfriend at the time. She went to the gym, and uh, you know she's got a heart monitor on there, and she saw. The tra- uh, watching CNN, oh, yeah. uh, the tracker came on the bottom, and her heart rate skipped up to uh, to 120 because she couldn't believe it. And she was only a fan of Eddie because of me, so she was the one who told me that. And again, this is too pre-internet, so I had no, I didn't find this out until I got to work, until I or until I saw it was reported on other outlets, actual mainstream media outlets that it happened. She didn't happen to sleep over your house, did she, Craig? We were living together, so yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, I had to get one reference in, so that yeah. was for Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> that was just, but I'm sorry. Back, back to the saddest day of my life. Um, the, um, that's how I found out uh, about, about Eddie. Um, and he, and he was my favorite wrestler at the time. And, um, he, and he was now was poised to win another, uh, world championship later on, um, that month, uh, so at Survivor Series against, uh, Batista. And, um, 
that would have been his second. Uh, as it is, he only had the one uh, title reign that he got over um, at, over Brock, and it's still one of the biggest, loudest pops anyone has ever seen or heard. My personal Eddie Guerrero story is uh, I'm very proud to be able to say this. I had nothing to do with this match. I just mean I was proud I was there for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no footage of it that exists. You'd have to take my word for it. But with the talent, you'll probably won't doubt me. Mm-hmm. It was a December 1998 WCW house show. Craig, you were probably there at the Spectrum. Yes. Um, and the, one of the main, the semi-main event, because the main event was uh, Bam Bam and Ric Flair, and Ric mm-hmm. Flair missed his yeah. uh, uh, plane ride, so like Scott Hall flight, fought, yeah. fought him instead. Yeah. Um, Scott Hall was at a house show in '98. It's so weird to say, but anyway, the semi-main event was Horseman with Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, and Chris Benoit mm-hmm. oh. versus Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, there, that's it, Mark. <laughs> oh my God! It was probably ten minutes, mm-hmm. and five minutes of it, and 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 four minutes was them yapping. Yeah, and oh the six God. minutes was some of the fastest tag team mm-hmm. oh. you've ever seen. It was such a great match that I didn't care, nor do I remember how the main event between Bam Bam and Scott Hall went. And those I, two were a legend. I had left. I had left right after that match, Dan, because <laughs> I made I, I made it a point to see any of the ECW guys, especially Eddie, <laughs> whenever they came back to Philly, because yeah. I was at Eddie's first match for WCW at the Civic Center, and his first match in Philly after he left ECW, and that was it was the opening bout of a WCW card, and the first match was Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Wow. And, the place went nuts when they came out and they allowed ECW chant throughout their whole match. It wasn't what it wasn't one of their best. They only gave him five minutes. Yeah, but it was it was fantastic yeah. five minutes. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, Eddie might even hurt his arm on something on a little because they were just kind of going through the motions with him. And I, he, he and probably, but yeah. Eddie Eddie and Chris did that spot where Eddie you know got pushed by Benoit and he got on his knees and crawled to Chris Jericho and hugged him. Yeah, hug yeah. Um, just a personal matter that has nothing to do with wrestling. Uh, uh, Matt just said, Kitty. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Amber I, makes her appearance this Amber evening. Amber is, a, yeah. There's an, she has an appearance for you. That's why she can't appear on Yeah, yes. Yeah, so. She will decide money. if she yeah. wants to forgo the fee, but we cannot push Miss Amber. We, no. She, she, is, she is her own entity like Beyonce. I tried to play with her like a kitty at your house, and you told me no. So that's how I know. <laughs> I was playing with her with the light off my watch. She was doing a cat thing, and you were like, yeah. can't stop it. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I thought she was a cat, you asshole. <laughs> she is a cat, you asshole. I also know that when she sees a light that she can't catch, things get broken. <laughs> She's broken. Yeah. She needs was, to... It was like a dad telling his son, knock it off. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I learned that the hard way, though. She needs to play with tangible things. If you make her chase something that's not there, you know. <laughs> she... Oh, is this your house? I, Fuck your yeah. house. I don't get any sleep. The furniture pays for it. So, <laughs> so yes. sorry. That's okay. You didn't know. And I'm, um, you know, but, uh, but yes. So, and that's the Amber portion of the wrestling historian. Um, HIC, it's, it's, uh, it's Helen and Cat Talk Radio. It's Helen and Amber cares. HIAA. Um, HIAA. Uh, on November 15th, um, uh, it's also a big day. You, you, we talked about the um, the network, Dan, and how uh, you can watch old show, old um, matches from other federations. 
Uh, November 15th, 1989 was one of my favorite cards of, of that year. One of my favorite cards of all time. It was the NWA Clash of Champions. And of all places, the RPI Fieldhouse in Troy, New York. Um, random. Did, again, most random places. But it had a card for match for match, one of the best cards ever. And the crowd was incredibly hot. Uh, the main event, I don't know what to talk about first, the undercard match or the main event. I'll go with the undercard match because it was a further a, um, a an angle that started between the Midnight Express and the Dynamic Dudes, Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace. That's now, it. I'm both tag teams were faces at that point because Midnight Express had turned face because they lost the NWA tag team title to the Road Warriors. Uh, but the Dynamic Dudes were the new babyface tag team. So Jim Cornette was seen advising the dudes while kind of neglecting the Midnight Express. So in this match, Jim Cornette was going to be in a neutral corner. And um, so he wouldn't take any sides with the Midnight Express or the Dynamic Dudes. The problem was there were two face tag teams. But the Dynamic Dudes were booed unmercifully from the yep. time they came out to this tour of New York smart crowd, to every time they re they put any type of offense on the Midnight Express, the fans booed. Yet whenever Stan came in or there was some type of uh, chicanery, the fans cheered. The ending, obviously, um, well-known. Uh, Bobby Eaton came in with a chain. Uh, it got knocked out of his hand. Jim Cornette, while the referee's back was turned, came up, picked up the chain, admonished Bobby, threw the chain out of the ring, told Shane, told Johnny Ace rather, go kick his ass. As soon as Johnny Ace's back was turned, Jim Cornette hit Johnny Ace on the back of the head with a racket that Gordon Soldy called a howitzer shot. Oh, Commentary, so loud, man. Yes, echoed throughout the whole Bop! RPI fieldhouse. Commentary by Jim Cornette and Gordon, I'm sorry, commentary by Jim Ross and Gordon Soley, the two greatest announcers Ooh. of all time, were calling this match. And the place went nuts. So Midnight Express turned heel, but were cheered throughout. And you can see the fans. If you see this, if you watch this Clash of Champions 9 again, watch the crowd stand up and cheer at the Midnight Express turning heel and winning and beating the Dynamic Dudes. Magnificent. But the the main event that night. Oh, uh, we're not done yet. No, we're not done. If, <laughs> and if you, th if you thought that was cool, the main event was the blow-off, the final match ending the feud between the NWA heavyweight champion Ric Flair and his arch nemesis, the returning Terry Funk in an I quit match that went what? 28 minutes and featured, and I counted 37 chops by Ric Flair on the chest of Terry Funk. They went up and down throughout, through the outside, inside, everywhere. And when the Rick put on the figure four leg lock on Terry Funk, and then Terry Funk of all people, with Tommy Young holding the microphone, that yes, I quit. Ending their feud in one of the greatest matches I've ever on national TV I've ever seen. Yeah, go.
I mentioned off air um, that in March, because I never told Mark this, uh, that mm-hmm. I started uh, chronological. There's a list on Reddit that if you ask me, I'll send it to you. Uh, that lists every single event that's on the WWE Network in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And I decided to start in March when everything started falling apart to start the first show I went to in person, which was uh, uh, Halloween Havoc 89 at the Philly Spectrum. I lost you. To whenever I wanted. And. God damn it. What I, I just watched this match. And it holds up. Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, Ric Flair Terry Funk match, the Ric Flair Terry Funk I Quit match, uh, undoubtedly the most physical of their feud, their brief feud, which only started three months earlier, um, and only had you know this is only their their uh, second singles match. Um, what ever? Yeah, because the first one was his comeback match at, at the Great American Bash that got that had. Great Muda interfering, and then Sting helping out Rick, and that went to their tag team match at Halloween Havoc, and finally their and their uh, their blow off match. They were supposed to have one of Clash of Champions. That was uh, Dick Slater, and Funk had a staph infection, and that's when he came out with the pla- with the plastic bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they had the the Halloween Havoc tag team match, and this was their their blow off match. The I Quit match. So this is only their second uh, singles match ever from the few that started at the uh, at uh, the uh, Clash of Champions, where uh, Flair regained the title from Steamboat. And let me just say, uh, Terry was not terrible. It was was pretty good at commentary. Terry was damn good at commentary. I just think he hated it and he wanted to wrestle. That's why he left and went to wrestle elsewhere. But he was great at commentary you, uh, you see, totally to, to see wrestlers push him around and him kind of get that face like who the hell do you think you're pushing around son? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or even Funk's grill hello you simple minded people out there yeah. <laughs> oh. yes. Craig I did yeah. I did want to say one thing yes you ruin the Ric Flair chop drinking game by nailing how many chops were in in the match it's okay it's not your fault you're not used to the rick flair chop drinking game i know you're not a drinker no but but now everyone knows that they're going to get the 37 and they're going to have to quit i could be wrong though i counted this back in 1990 when i first <laughs> when i rewatched it so that number could be off so you can still play your rick flair drinking game chop drinking game but if you're going to do it the rick flair terry funk i quit match is the is the uh it's the one to do it. And, isn't, uh, isn't that a fun – if you had to imagine a wrestling drinking game, don't you think that that's a winner? That's a good one. That's one. Uh, I, have, well, I also have one quick aside. Uh, Missy Hyatt had her own drinking game. They'd no. watch, they'd watch uh, in a, a match in the back, and Missy Hyatt made a drinking game of how many times Lex Luger touched his balls during a match. <laughs> True story. So apparently it was, it was enough to have a drinking game. Is there a drinking game on how many times we can uh, – Missy Hyatt said something stupid when she was uh, on mic? That's even more of a drinking game. Yeah, I'd, I'd be an alcoholic. Yes. I'd pay for those commercials. 
Um, this just right. in the uh, Sixers yeah, picked Tyre- uh, the Sixers picked Tyrese Maxey uh, from shooting guard from Kentucky, which is not the guy I wanted. Super but, familiar with his work. He seems like a great pick. Are you uh, serious? I'm serious. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tyrese Mackey. I wanted. I wanted Terrell Tyler. I wanted Desmond Bain. I'm hoping they're not on the. They're off the uh, board. But um, yeah. So Tyrese Maxey is a 76er, folks. I apologize for my. Um, no, that's okay. Distracted. Trust uh, back, the process. I am trusting the process. That's a problem. Um, but back <laughs> to uh, wrestling historian. Drink the cool. Uh, November 16th, 1987. Um, this was a very um, interesting day at an interesting place. November 16th, 1987, the uh, WWF had a Legends uh, Battle Royal. Uh, in of all places, the Meadowlands in, uh, in New Jersey, New York, New Jersey. But the names that they had in this, you know, this was a WWF Legends Battle Royal. And it featured the, the Nick Bockwinkle. Yes. Taylor R. Thomas. Gino Brito, who was Dino Bravo's best friend. Bobo Brazil. Chief J. Strongbow. Arnold Skoland. Ed Carpentier. Al Costello from the Kangaroos. Pat Oof. O'Connor. The Crusher. Pedro Morales. Killer Kowalski. Tony Gurria. Gene Kaniski. And it was won. The Battle Royal was won by a 72-year-old Lou Fez. You tell Lou, no. Yes, exactly. (laughs) At your own peril. Even at 72. Lou, we we want you to lose. Excuse me? No. Uh, But yeah, a 72-year-old Lou Fez who could stretch pretty much any of the current roster uh, back then. Uh, but these names, none, uh, I'd say about three of them uh, ever wrestled in the WWF, but none of those other people that I mentioned ever set foot in a WWF ring. They're all NWA and AWA legends, but they called it a WWF Legends Battle Royal. Uh, again, held in a WWF stronghold in the Meadowlands. Uh, Lanny Poffo, of all people, and speaking Deep of people funny. who... Yeah, speaking of people who say things stupid, um, he cited uh, – now, one of the legends that I did mention that wasn't included was Lanny's father, Lanny and Randy Savage's father, Angelo oh, yeah. Poffa. Angelo Poffa wasn't there. Lanny claims that it was Angelo not being in that battle royal that uh, caused Randy Savage to eventually leave the WWF. That makes sense. Well, the well, the 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 uh the battle royal was in 1987, and Savage didn't leave till 1995. So that's a hell of a long time to hold a grudge of not including your dad in the battle it royal. It is wrestling. Point you plant the seed, Craig. Okay. No, I agree with you, but it is like it is wrestling. I've heard worse. Looking yeah. at you, Bret Hart. <laughs> Craig, Craig, it's like it's like you and I starting two weeks ago. Five years from now, you'll leave the show because I was on it. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> but this Legends Battle Royal, uh, again, all those uh, incredible legends. And they were all wrestling, you know. Uh, and uh, Pat O'Connor, Gene Kaniski, Luthez, 
uh, Sailor R. Thomas, uh, some of these guys were in their late Killer Kowalski in their late 60s, early 70s. Uh, all took all wrestled in a battle royal. Luthez still has one of my favorite quotes about Hulk Hogan because uh, there is that A and E uh, wrestling special that um, was Steve Allen. Namin, what narrated. was it? Yeah. What did no, you say? It was completely not a bullshit. But go ahead. Yes. Oh no, no, it was yeah. totally kayfabe. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's a kayfabe. It's a it's a work shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the interview, you know journalists and wrestlers from the past and one of the guys they are interviewing during the whole show is Lou Thez mm-hmm. and Lou Thez where they're talking about the Hulk Hogan era and he goes Hulk Hogan can't drop a leg drop my, my grandmother's been dead and she could drop a better leg drop <laughs> yeah. so whenever I reference my dead grandmother doing something remember- better I stole it from Lou Thez of course good Mark. staying on this date uh, remember I mentioned um, November to remember and um, I ECW do being, uh, well, it's November, so I would hope so. Um, well, November 15th, 1996, at ECW's latest November to remember, um, not only did it have the, um, the, the long-awaited first match between Taz and Sabu, a match that they teased for a year straight, but... One of the matches also on there was uh, Bubba Ray Dudley versus Devon Dudley. Oh, in a matchup of the what future of the future most decorated tag team in wrestling history. Uh, this in November to remember also featured the debut of the BWO, the Blue World Order, and yeah. it was the farewell match of. Uh, one of the guys we talked about on last week's historian, who doesn't get enough credit as he did, uh, Tuco Scorpio was uh, leaving the ECW to uh, go on the WWF as Flash Funk. And he said, I know what I'm supposed to do is do a job for the next motherfucker that comes out here. Well, I ain't doing it, and I ain't leaving. So they brought out uh, JT Smith, and he got beat by, uh, and they brought out Hack Myers, and Tuco beat him. But then they brought out Louis Spicoli, and he dropped Scorpio, and Scorpio did the job just like he said he wouldn't, and he was off, and Louis Spicoli got a standing ovation from the crowd at ECW Arena at November to remember. Go, go. All right. One, thank you for doing us the favor of mentioning the BWO, because you know that they're taking over. Also, also, seriously, is there is there a better like when you think about the top five ECW feuds, Taz Sabu, mm-hmm. like like do you, like do you think like that's your one of your top five, right? You're Craig. I'm asking you because you are the historian top yeah. five. Uh, yes, most definitely, and for one simple reason, Mark, uh, they didn't touch each other for an entire year. Yeah. <laughs> That's how yeah. you book a. That's how you book a feud. There you go. That's how you get any feud over. You want these two guys to 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 fight each other. Make sure when they do, it counts. So keep them away. Have them beat everyone else. You can have them in the same in the ring at the same time. Even have a a pull apart. But if they don't touch each other for a significant amount of time, in this case, a full year, so when they do, it's a big effing deal. Is that when he broke his neck though? No. 
Okay. He broke his neck against uh, uh, Chris Benoit. Who wow. had oh, wow. didn't Taz break Sabu's neck? No. No. Mm-mm. No. Okay. No. It was Chris Benoit did it. Wow. Unfortunately, and it was it was the way Sabu landed. Um, uh, no, it was. I know he did, but it wasn't on purpose. Don't. No. No. Don't ever no. take. No. Now, 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 Tuchel broke Taz's neck on that Bosch pile driver. Remember that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the time he broke his neck and walked into the hospital, and the hospital was like, how did you get in here? He goes, I walked. And they were like, you shouldn't be walking. He goes, well, yeah. I mean, I put one foot in front of the other. I walked in here. You're, yeah, you're, he Ted's doing his, his Danny Hodge impression. Danny yeah. Hodge. Baddest uh, dude on the planet. Was, yeah. Uh, was in a car that flipped over 12 times and landed in a lake. And Danny Hodge, with a broken neck, swam out. From the under the car, walked four miles to the hospital while holding his neck in place with his other hand, uh, and to get to the Brad, hospital. If we have a slow week, we should talk about wrestling injuries that people walked away with, whether it's on the ring, in the ring, or out of the ring. Because the one I just thought of when you mentioned that was Gary Hart in the plane crash with yes. Buddy Colt. Mm-hmm. I won't go into that. I'll save that for that that episode. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, November 16th um, in uh, 1996. Uh, November 17th, uh, that same year, 1996, a Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden. Uh, but it was the, uh, the debut. They had Survivors, is back when they were still doing Survivor Series teams, elimination bouts. Uh, but on the one side, you had uh, Triple H, Goldust, um, Jerry Lawler and Crush oh. going against the team of uh, Mark Merrill, Jacob oh. Snake Roberts, second better, Barry Windham, he, who was a Widowmaker oh. back then, and making his pay per view debut, third generation superstar with one great hairdo and a thoroughly ridiculous outfit, Rocky Maivia. Yowie wowie. That's the that's the one he was the sole survivor for. His debut. Who else would you put over in that match? Oh my god. I'd November put 16th. I'd put Rocky Rocky by me over God. Yes. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd put static up first. Yeah. November's and in the main event though, uh curious enough, um Rocky Mavia was cheered that night. Uh the which would later go away, but the main event uh, was uh, Sid uh, defeating Shawn Michaels for his first WWE title. Oh. And the fans cheered Sid and booed oh. Michaels lustily oh. during the match. So even oh. the crowd, again, back to New York, you know, in the tor- up Northeast, we're kind of smart. So just like they were booing the dudes uh, in uh, Troy, New York, they were booing Shawn Michaels the face. Um, at Is that the, Psycho the, Sid at that point? That was Psycho Sid. Sid. Sid's like, like such just something you would settle for, yeah. right? I you know because uh, no. when, when I'm watching old wrestling, Kelly will also make this. And I'm like, why him? And I'm like, you know, I get I get that sentiment, but Sid was fun to watch in ring. Don't ever put a microphone on him. When every no. time, no, Sid was oh. um, 
Sid checked all the boxes of a w, of a WWF superstar that Vince salivated over. Yeah, Vince was, was the look guy. Sid was in look. and out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, the size, the look, you know, the intensity. He could be a great heel and be a great guy. The fans, he could be your monster baby face. You know, he had good matches with Sting. Yes. <laughs> but the guy... And everyone, it's not like everyone didn't warn him, and it's not like he wasn't upfront about it. He nope. was a head case. Yep. But yet, this man had two world title reigns. He was in the main event at the Alamo Dome in front of 72,000 people, which is nothing to sneeze at. But at twice, he was fired from the company for abruptly leaving during softball season. I was going to say, don't, don't book him during softball season. No, don't book him during the summer because you ain't going to see him. But he, but he was a guy that WWF made a ton of money with, and he put two world titles on him. But why you would put two world titles on a guy that looked good on a head case and not someone who could work like a Vader will always well, uh, baffle yeah, me. Well, yeah, comparing and the two is like comparing comparing the two is like comparing uh, a bucket of crap and a yeah. bucket of pudding. You're gonna eat the pudding. Yeah, um, and. And you're eating that pudding on a, on a roof. I know. And, and but but uh, I'll give you this analogy between uh when uh Sid was pushed in uh, WCW over and Arn Anderson, uh because Sid can make you a million dollars in one night, but after that you've seen him already. Arn Anderson can make you a million dollars over ten years because he's not and he's not an attraction. You you put everything on Sid on one night, he'll make you a mint, but you've seen it already. And once that's uh -huh. over, what else can you do with Sid? Well, you, well once again, I, I hate this. Uh, there's always that argument. Oh, you don't put a belt on someone that draws heat. Uh, like, don't you do it to them for, like, even now? Like, can, can we just play the nowadays play yeah. book? Don't you owe it to someone that puts the heat on the, on the product to give them a championship? I'm asking. I'm. I'm. I'm asking both of you individually. If someone is good enough to not have need the belt, don't you think they deserve to have the belt yeah. in this day and age where you just kick yeah. the belt around like it's nonsense? Yes. Yeah. In this day and age, yes. Back yes, in the day, not no. ninety six. <laughs> no. No. Yes. But, no. I. I, I hear you. Ninety six. And just to defend my Sid thing, Sid had. You know, the, Sid was what John Cena. Sid was what people think John Cena is. Ugh. People think John Cena has five moves and he doesn't do anything else, and they're wrong. They are. Uh, same thing about Roman Reigns. They're completely wrong about Roman Reigns. Awful. Sid had seven moves tops. He did them well. He was big, bad, and dangerous to know. And he, 10 minutes, she got 10 minutes out of him, it was over. Yeah. That's all you needed. I like Sid. Compacted. I like Sid for what Sid was. Do I think he's the greatest wrestler that ever lived? No, but when I'm playing the video game and I want to win a Royal Rumble, I pick Sid. <laughs> and 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 Sid Udy was a gift from God because of the guy that looked that was that big, that with that body and that look, you know, the, the eyes, the intensity. Again, he can make you a million dollars. He can sell out an arena for you. But Yeah, you're right. How many yeah. people in this millennium will snap their whole goddamn leg and wrestle after it's repaired? Yeah, that Sid. Guy. Yeah. Now, now, look, I'm not taking his wrestling love away from him. 
Don't don't ever take it like that. Well, don't go over. I'm just stage. saying that he he was. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm it doesn't go, go over his love of softball. I'm don't not go, yeah. yeah. And and Wayland Mercy was better than Sid Sid Justice. No, that's not true. Get out of here. No, well, as a, if you were to push a team like the skyscrapers, though, you could have made something with them if they were Absolutely. if they were in an era oh other God. than the other than the Road Warriors. But yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Also, what makes Sid not so much a um, a marketable commodity is because for all those muscles and all that look, uh, dumber than guy, a box of rocks, <laughs> and can get his ass kicked by anyone in a real fight. Ask Mike Graham, okay, or or Arn Anderson. The engine's running, but there's nobody behind the wheel. Yes, and all those muscles. It's like when you work out. It's like yeah, but you know, could you put them to use in a real fight? In Sid's case, no. Nah, no, you can't. So. That's all on. That's our Sid uh, segment. <laughs> Sid cast. Uh, uh, turning to today in wrestling history, some uh, big debuts. Um, going back to, I mentioned the Clash of Champions early. Uh, November eighteenth, nineteen ninety-two was Clash of Champions twenty-one, and what I remember, uh, two things. Uh, one of the great match between uh, for the NWA tag team titles. Uh, it was Barry Windham and Dustin and Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes losing the uh, the tag team belts to Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas, <laughs> and this was uh, Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas a damn good team, but that all four of them great matches. You had four of the best workers in the NWA at the time, and they did an amazing job in that match, making Shane Douglas one half of the NWA tag team champions. This was. Now, this was two years after the Dynamic Dudes, so Shane teaming with Ricky Steamboat gave him some legitimacy, and his work with Steamboat and the main event tag team matches with him, and the fans got to see how good he really was, and not just how good he was, and compared to Johnny Ace, how much Johnny Ace sucked, but that this is a guy, if you pushed him singularly, he could do something. So it was that win, giving him the NWA tag team title with Ricky Steamboat, that gave him and his connection with Paul Lee, who was on the booking committee then, that when Paul Lee got ECW, he wanted Shane Douglas to be his champion. And it worked because fans knew how good, smart fans knew how good Shane Douglas was, and that would carry on to his work in ECW. But the biggest thing from that clash of champions, the, we talk about great debuts, you know, usually when somebody says, I'm bringing in a mystery partner, that means... It's the mystery partner is someone that had wrestled in the territory before, was coming back, or was a wrestler that was known from another federation that's making their debut. But in this case, it was a handicap match. Tony Atlas, the Barbarian, and Cactus Jack were going up against the WCW heavyweight champion Ron Simmons and a mystery partner. Well, when Ron Simmons came to the ring with his mystery partner, no one knew who the hell he was. Even Jesse Ventura on commentary saying, who is this guy? Well, this guy just went out and was performing moves that had never been seen before on American television. Flying over the top rope, the suicide dive that you call it now, that you see in every single AEW match, but seen for the first oh. time at WCW. And the very first 450 splash that Tuco Scorpio performed on Tony Atlas to win the match. 
And that was the greatest debut of an unknown wrestler I've ever seen in my life. That's awesome. Because I didn't know who he was. Jim Ross didn't know who he was. The fans didn't know who he was. And after the match, Ron Simmons said, this is Too Cold Scorpio. And that put and him on everybody that. knew who he was after that. And after everyone knew who he was after that. So, and again, four years later, you know, after WCW, and I just mentioned yesterday, uh, November 17th, he left ECW to go to the WWF. So in that four years, he went from WCW to debuting at WCW. And then they debuted as Flash Punk. And, they de- and, fl- and then that's when they killed him. But his debut in professional wrestling... <laughs> was absolutely amazing because I'd never seen anything like it. And again, that was the first time I saw a dive to the outside. First time I'd ever seen a 450 splash. It's the first time these moves were ever seen on TV in the, in America. And it was done by two cold Scorpio. So that again, I stand by the greatest debut of an, of an unknown wrestler I've ever seen. In 2016 or 17, two cold wrestled in Nova. Uh-huh. Nova pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. He still does that. Yeah. Well, I well, I hung out with him when he was in PWU. He was still wrestling. He was a PWU heavyweight champion. But he still does it like that. Yeah. He's not as quick as he used to be, but he still has that ability. Yes. And a very favorable favorable mention by Mick Foley in his book about um, Too Cold being anatomically correct. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> he had a big old... Yes. Yeah. He's got big pants. Pants. Um. November 18th. I'm sorry. Go, 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 go. Real quick. Um, I did want to say when I was growing up, uh, we would always watch Saturday Night Main Event, WCW. Mm -hmm. Um, When when Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat won the titles, um, I was super excited because I'd never seen Shane Douglas before. It was cool to see a young guy win with a veteran. But that also led me to find my one of my favorite tag teams of all time Mm -hmm. and a great feud with them. It's the Hollywood Blondes. Yes. So, that bleeds into like my one of my literally one of the greatest tag teams of all time that they didn't think was going to work out, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to cut your wrestling story off, but mm-hmm. th- but I love both of those teams. So like every week I would watch them, yeah, and I'd be like, history. I don't I don't know who to who who I want to win. How mm-hmm. can I root for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas and the Hollywood Blondes at the same time, even though they were both good and bad guys like i've never been torn in my wrestling career like like childhood to root for villains the hollywood blondes were just so good though yeah they were yeah. just anyway sorry didn't mean to cut you off no it's okay uh the hollywood you, didn't, you blondes, had your finger up yeah and that's why i went to you and the hollywood blondes had it not been for Pillman's injury i think would have been the um should have been their premier tag team. They were when they, you know, they never lost the belts. Uh, Brian got injured and uh, they took the belt yes. off them and they, they broke them off, which is a bad idea. Uh, bad idea, booking wise, good idea for Steve Lawson's career because he uh, became the man that he was. I respect Hollywood, you, Booker man. But the Hollywood Blondes were, um, were they were the tag team in the 1990s, and they were a great tag team. And you were right to feel conflicted because they, you have two, two, two teams and four guys that you want to root for. Uh, speaking of Steve Austin, um, thank you for that segue, Gogo, because uh, I go back to today in wrestling history. 25 years ago uh, at ECW November to remember 1995 in the ECW arena. 
Remember we talked about, uh, you just mentioned the Hollywood Blondes and unfortunately yeah. Brian Pillman got hurt and they had to take the WCW Tag Team Championship off of them. Steve Austin went single uh, and they broke up the Blondes. Uh, Steve Austin carved out his own singles career, culminating, culminating some great matches with, among other people, Ricky Steamboat, Barry Windham, WCW TV champion, part of the Dangerous Alliance, on his way to main event status until the Hulk Hogan effect happened. God, those TV titles when, when he left and was fired via FedEx um, by WCW, and he, Paulie, calling in another favor, bringing in Steve Austin to ECW. Steve Austin finally got to be Steve Austin, say what's on his mind with no filters. His interviews, his promos on ECW were gold, absolute gold. Not only because he finally got to say what he, what he and many fans felt about WCW, where the big boys played with each other, but he finally got to uh, be himself. Well, his first match in ECW happened on this date 25 years ago, November 18, 1995. ECW is November to remember. And superstar Steve Austin. Not stunning, not stone cold, superstar Steve Austin, who came to the ring with Jesus Christ Superstar in his ECW debut, lost to Mikey Whipwreck. I was going to say, it's Mikey Whipwreck, right? Yes. Go, go. It's Mikey Whipwreck. Um, pinned him, uh, which set off another series of great promos by Steve Austin, talking about how he talked about how damn good I am. My first match, I thought I dropped the damn ball. Uh, Steve Austin only had two matches in ECW his whole time he was there. Lost both of them. One to Mikey Whipwreck and one to the Sandman. Uh, but his career was set because he got called up to the WWF to be the ringmaster. And the rest is history. But it was... Go ahead. Go ahead. Somebody go. Go, go. Well, I was going to say, it's, it wasn't like, like, okay, they pulled him up to be the ringmaster. But yeah. someone saw, it, someone had to have seen backstage like that the chaos that he was brewing, that would have been what is Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Like that's that that's the that's the real story, right? The real story is that the WWS is looking at ECW all the time, and stealing most of their ideas, uh, because this is the infancy of the Attitude Era, um, and so you saw you know Sandman walking in the ring. Smoking cigarettes, chugging a beer on ECW TV, um, Singapore canes, tables, chairs, chair shots to the head. And next thing you know, they're that same thing on WWF and, you know, bleeding and all that stuff. So the WWE was looking at ECW as well as WCW for ideas. So, yes, all that, that's how Steve got hired because from, from what they saw in, uh, on ECW. But uh, 25 years ago was uh, Steve Austin's first match right here in Philadelphia. I was going to uh, say, I just wanted to point out that he lost those matches by um, his own choice. Yes. He was like, we're going to put you over. And Steve was like, why Why would you do that? Yeah. What am I beating him for? I, he's here. I'm not here mm -hmm. forever. Like, yeah. I don't want to win the title. Paul was going to put the title on him night one. Oh, yeah. 
And Steve was like, no, <laughs> it makes no sense. Why would you do that? Uh, and those promos are still unbeatable. What, yeah, Mark? They were just buddies, though, right? Like, he, like, felt like he owed him uh, a buddy championship, right? Well, no, yeah. Well, he was, yeah, but he also wanted to put ECW on the map. And he did the same thing he did with Shane when Shane Douglas came in. He, put, he wanted to put the ECW belt on Shane because here was a guy that wrestling fans knew from the WCW, from the big leagues, coming in here and giving the his federation some cred. And Steve Austin, who everyone knew how good he was in WCW, just like they knew how good Shane Douglas was in WCW, was never given a shot. So we'll put the belt on him. So you had your choice that night. You had your choice between Sabu, who was like the hardcore like legend, mm-hmm. and you had your choice between him and Shane Douglas, who Shane Douglas was a mouthpiece. And you picked Shane Douglas. You picked Shane Douglas because he was a mouthpiece. Yeah, well, Shane Douglas right. was in in the ECW way before Sabu was. But like I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. b- b- like you had your choice between those two guys, mm-hmm. and you picked someone that Paulie liked because he ran his mouth. And he was good Correct. at ring. No. We no, about? no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't ever take. I argue that Shane Douglas might be one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, you have your choice between what the fans in ECW wanted was in the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal yeah. table covered in barbed wire. Yeah. Like, I, I would argue they understood. I've been to a couple uh, – I was at a bunch of those shows. They they, they also appreciated good wrestling. The yeah. smart ones. Okay. And, and Billy Morons were like, blood! But, but, it, but it goes back to your earlier point. Shabu was so over that he didn't need a belt. Right. So uh, you, you, putting the belt on him wouldn't have hurt his, his standing in the hierarchy. Of, and the fans, he would still, he could still main event. He still did main event in ECW without a belt. Boy, did so, he. Yeah. Uh, speaking of debuts, staying on this date, November 18th, eight years ago. And get this, at Survivor Series. Are you, meant, are you noticing a trend here? Uh, the Undertaker. November to remember or a Survivor Series, but November 18th, 2012, after the uh, final uh, match between the triple threat between CM Punk, John Cena, and Ryback, of all folks, Ryback, who who was introduced last uh, because he got the biggest pop, if you can believe that, at the time. But after the (laughs) match... Ryback was attacked by three men in all black garb wearing uh, bulletproof vests and put him through a table. Up. So to this date, eight years ago today, was the debut of Sierra, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. It was, it was the last time wearing turtlenecks was cool. Yeah. I make well, turtlenecks cool every winter, baby. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Well, I don't know if you... I'm just saying. Those black mock turtlenecks that they were wearing, they looked like security guards. I'm just... I thought they, I thought they were. But they traded them in for bulletproof vests and started a, <laughs> a, an epic run of one of the greatest factions in WWE history and started the ushered in the three-man team that uh, spawned the Wyatt family and uh, the new day, and uh, picking up on the trend you're talking about, 
six-man tag teams, uh, if it were not for the Freebirds, there would not be a Shield. So, Free rule, baby. Always. I will also say this, that uh, when that ended and they broke up, that's the last time that I really popped mm-hmm. uh, for a wrestling angler show. That was good. Yeah. But those three men, uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, all three would be world champions. All three would hold multiple titles. All three would be tag team champions. All three did what was designed for them was to get over as a group and as, as individuals. And it worked uh, more or less for all three of them. And still in Roman Reigns' case, um, where he's eight years later, he's still he's he is the man still on top. Years. And the only man, the only man in WWE history who was made of in at five straight WrestleManias is Roman oh. Reigns. Okay, and no one can say that. Not even Hogan. Oh. So, um, I don't hate eight years ago today was the debut of The Shield. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. Okay, Mark, Before, you, if you have anything else to say, this is where we're closing it out. No, no, I'd love to close it out. Um, once again, Craig, thank you for your fountains of, of knowledge and, and your wealth of just generosity sharing with us. It's um, the only place I'm wealthy, Mark. Uh, the unfortunate part is that November to remember only comes once a year. Yeah. That's, I think, my, my least favorite part. Uh, well, I'm only looking forward to December to dismember. No, stop it. This is where we end the show, Craig. Okay. <laughs> so you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter at Craig Legans. That's C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Mr. Thompson, where can people follow you? Oh, just give me the at G-O-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. That's Joe Thompson. Find me Instagram, Twitter, and I won't give it out the other one because, you know, I do that often enough. Right. Arm, arm drag PC, I did it for you. I can remember things. Follow me on Twitter at Dan 83 Let's see if I can remember it this week because last week and on the Obey the Puck podcast, I screwed this up. You can find us at HIC Talk Radio on Twitter and Facebook. Go to VOCNation.com for our podcast and all of the podcasts on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Do me a favor. Those words I just said, if you go to your podcast app on your smartphone and you type in VOC Nation Radio Network, listen to them on your cell phone. Cell phone. On your smartphone. Your phone. The thing, this thing, the thing that has more power than the lunar lander in the 60s Um. So, yeah, next week, there is no wrestling. There's only nerd herders. Nerd Herders is back for our November episode, I think. It's also Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be me, it'll be Damien, it'll be Foxy, it'll be Craig. Uh, Nerd Herders returns, episode five, I believe. So join us there. Uh, YouTube.com slash DanLaw83 or Twitch. Wherever you're watching now, go to the opposite. For Go Thompson, for Craig Legans, I'm the Above Average Comedian, Dan Calcigo. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks, having started way back in 2010. 
VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Wirtz. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirtz, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Danger Sandy Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. This is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.